Thank you for joining us for this podcast. This podcast will focus on three letters which have created a lot of disruption around the business world, which are ESG. Letters that describe a set of factors, environment, social, governance, which measure the non-financial impacts of business and investments. Joining me today is Carl, a manager at PwC, focusing on this particular topic. Carl, you're a millennial. And proud. <laughs> I have read that 90% of millennials go through a company's ESG policy before investing in it. In your opinion, is this true and is this pushing the ESG agenda? Definitely. I think that today employees are voting with their feet and in a world where resources are so scarce and so important and so crucial to a company's journey and, and you know, business agenda, they definitely are making their choices. And not only employees, but also customers. They're putting their money where their mouth is, choosing to invest in certain companies other than others, supporting some brands and boycotting others. So definitely there is a pressure coming from, you know, customers, employees, and the broader set of stakeholders, which sometimes companies forget. I think also there are many other pressures that companies are facing that mm-hmm. are pushing this ESG agenda. So it's not just from the customers or, f- or from your employees, but definitely from the investor community, which might have a louder voice. So today, whether a company is seeking to raise finance from an, an initial public offering or going to a bank or trying to raise finance through a bond issue, investors are taking specific account of how ESG factors are influencing the value mm-hmm. of that company. Just to frame this argument, BlackRock, who is one of the world's largest asset management company, okay, so they have over 9 trillion US dollars of assets under management, that's almost a third of the whole US GDP, are taking voting action against companies that lag on ESG disclosures and related issues. So we're seeing that this is not just a passing trend or a phase or a fad mm-hmm. that companies can, you know, just subscribe yes. to for the interim period. But it's here to stay. It's here to stay. And the people who call the shots are making it count. Okay. Um, I was reading that um, Greta Thunberg once said, I don't want you to be hopeful. I want you to panic. You know, so um, are businesses panicking around this and how are they responding to this all this pressure i definitely agree with with what greta said there is we need to get that sense of urgency and that sense of panic um and the urgency is real all you need to do is you know look at the news or watch a bit of david attenborough on netflix and you'll see that the world is truly at a tipping point and that it the world is facing a lot of challenges and the biz the role of the business community cannot be understated so there are definitely some companies that are taking this on and they are what I like to call front runners in this space, being companies who have identified ESG, identified the risks that the company is facing in this space and identified also the opportunities because ultimately ESG isn't always about risk and, and identifying where losses can be mm-hmm. generated, but it's also about seeing the opportunity in ESG and not just analyzing them, but also embedding them into the long-term value creation story of that company and ultimately communicating this. So the story needs to get out and disclosing this information, especially to your investors, to your employees, to the regulators is definitely Mm -hmm. an important part. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, I think that not everyone's feeling the pressure. So 
in light of COVID, there are a lot of companies who are at the moment firefighting, who are just living day to day. And while this is definitely, you know, a reality and definitely something important for some businesses, I think even for those companies, the longer term strategy needs to consider ESG. You know, some people tell me, you know, this is just something extra, something more costly in a world mm-hmm. where today, you know, we need to save on save costs and make sure that we are sustainable and carrying out our, our, our business from day to day. But essentially, ESG is about the way that value can be created or destroyed. And I think the COVID pandemic has only brought the ESG and the urgency related to ESG at the fore. Would you say that um, locally, the way the business is reacting is in line with what you are telling us now? Or are we more um, taking more action or are we lagging behind? From your experience, what where would you position Malta on this topic? I think locally things are changing. So if you asked me that question a year or two ago, I would have said no, to be honest. Sometimes the vibe that you get from the C-suite or from top management is that there are more pressing matters and more pressing mm-hmm. um, you know, factors that need to be considered rather than ESG. Today, I think it's very different. And I think the pandemic has exactly shown this that the urgency is real and that a company needs to look at all factors and all stakeholders and go beyond, you know, mere profits and the bottom line, mm-hmm. because ultimately ESG is about that also. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to go a bit more on the practical side now. Um, I understand that sometimes boards um, struggle with the evolving landscape around ESG. It's very quick, you know, even... Um, the priorities, and they are struggling a bit to make significant progress in this uh, in this regard. In your opinion, what are the key metrics to focus on if you had to have a client in front of you asking like boldly, okay, I want to take the first steps, what should they be? No, so definitely I agree with your point that companies are a bit confused maybe. We have to admit that the, the landscape is very fragmented. So even just the knowledge on ESG and what this means can be a bit confusing. We have to understand that the pressures on ESG are coming from, you know, many different areas, like we said. So there's the regulatory push and a lot of is happening in the EU because of that. There's the employee and consumer push, which we mentioned, and there's the investor push. And so it can be difficult to balance all these voices when you're taking on considering ESG and and trying to apply that to your company. And so they only companies only feel scattered pressure when thinking about this information. So I agree, it can get confusing. My advice to a company would be to not get overwhelmed because when you look at what can be reported under the E, S and the G and mm-hmm. all the range of topics which fall under the sustainability umbrella, so to speak, it can get a little bit overwhelming. But I think we need to go to the heart of what it's about. It's about creating value and watching you know, the risks related to this area. So my advice would be for a company to look at what could potentially be material for them, picking on maybe one or two elements under each category. So two under the E, two under the S and two under the G. So Carl, would you be able to share a couple of these with us? Yes, definitely. So under the environmental bucket, I think one key element that companies should be reporting on relates to emissions. A lot of companies are not even aware of their carbon footprint or the emissions that they are responsible for. So this is definitely something that 
not only investors, but even banks and consumers are going to be looking at. And definitely waste. I think even in Malta, this is a sign of the times and a lot of focus is on the quantities of waste that are being placed on the market, whether that's packaging waste or recycling waste or, or, or other types of waste. Under the S, I think our company should be focusing on sensitive topics like equal pay, like training, upskilling, employee turnover. These are all you know key metrics that company should be disclosing on. And under the governance bucket, things like board diversity, board remuneration, risk oversight. These are all some key topics which are directly linked to ESG. But I think before a company starts reporting, they need to know why they're reporting and how to report. Mm -hmm. And they need to have something to report on in the first place. So while definitely I would encourage a lot of companies to disclose, I believe that what gets reported gets managed. So if you're actually disclosing it, then you are probably incentivized to manage those numbers and to set targets to limit those. But before that, there's measurement and before measurement, there's strategy. So in terms of measurement, most companies might not even know the quantity of emissions they're responsible for. They might not know how to calculate that and it can get very technical. If we're speaking about waste, then the kilos of waste and the types of waste and whether these are hazardous or non-hazardous and whether they've been recycled or sent to landfill or so or exported. So all these you know, factors are definitely important before you get to reporting. What we found is that the devil is in the data and compiling that data and setting up data owners and data structures is key to any company's sustainability journey. And before measurement, I believe the strategy. So this goes to the core of why companies do business and why they're in the market. And so the real question that companies need to answer is why are we reporting? Why are we embarking on this ESG journey? To what end? To whom are we reporting? Mm -hmm. And to link this with the company's purpose. Mm -hmm. um, listening to you as a citizen now, I must say, um, I feel a bit, I must say, sad that sort of we needed like rules around, you know, diversity, inclusion, equal pay. These should have been there. We don't need like, you know, legislation around them. But at the same time, I think it's a massive opportunity to elevate, you know, businesses and the way um, they operate. From what you see and from your experience, are businesses strictly abiding by what is required by law or they are taking this opportunity to have a complete change in mindset, complete change and shift in their values? Yes, there is. And I think this goes back to the role of businesses. So today that role is changing where companies are not only expected to minimize their negative impact, but to actually have a positive impact and to contribute to not only local, but global challenges, be they, you know, related to climate change or poverty or child labor. And so the scope of business has been extending. It's not only profit. Yes, profit is, you know, essential, but it's so much more than that. The regulatory side can be a bit heavy, I must admit. So there are there's a lot of regulation, especially in Europe. So at the moment, the Commission is setting very ambitious climate law to limit greenhouse gas emissions by 55% by 2030 and to achieve climate neutrality by 2050. So this is placing a lot of pressure on businesses to meet those targets. Ideally, companies should be doing this on their own, like you said. Mm -hmm. Definitely, they should be contributing to achieving and creating a better society and a better environment, not only for, for their stakeholders, but for themselves, ultimately. 
but we found that regulations are needed to to push those people and to push those companies. Mm-hmm. you see now, sort of. Can you share a bit with us um, what um, what's being done around this? Sure. So, for, from a PwC perspective, what we do is two things mainly. One is our internal journey, and the second is our external journey. So, with our clients externally. What we do is we help them set up this sustainability strategy and help them understand what their journey is all about. We help them with the measurement and understanding how to quantify this data and how to source this data. We help them with implementation. So they might need to change some processes, some structures, mm-hmm. some, some operations. We help them with reporting and understanding the reporting landscape and the reporting frameworks and the standards surrounding how to report and how to disclose this information. And ultimately, we also build trust by assuring this information. From an internal perspective, what PwC is doing is we are we have committed to net zero by 2030. And this means limiting our scope one, scope two, and scope three emissions to achieve net zero by 2030. That means halving our emissions and then offsetting also. Very challenging, I would say. <laughs> Very challenging. <laughs> Definitely. Um, like I said, there's a lot of data which is involved. It can get a bit technical. There's a lot of reporting, but at the same time, it's also very exciting. Mm-hmm. It, it's great to be part of an organization that is being part of this change and, and leading the way mm-hmm. and setting the example for other companies also. Mm-hmm. And I think the world took a bit of time to give priority to this topic. So now, you know, we need to catch up in my view. I would yes. Say. And the pace of change, I I think, will will get very rapid and will pick up a lot in the next coming years. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Carl. Very interesting. Um, Our time is up. It was a pleasure discussing with you this topic, which I must say I'm quite passionate about. Um, So thank you very much for your time.